thanks, uh, thanks, brothers, for sharing. Ryan and, and Biggie, appreciate uh, appreciate you guys and your uh, faithfulness. And thanks always to uh, our church for praying, for sending uh, the team so faithfully. Um, we're nearing the home stretch. We probably have about three or four uh, more testimonies left to hear, but but hopefully it's kind of breaking down uh, resistance within hearts of those who feel like, yeah, that's for someone else, but not for me, um, that it's doing a work within our hearts so that uh, maybe we can make a commitment um, to uh, fulfilling uh, the Great Commission in some way, whatever way we can, by giving, by praying, by sending, by going, uh, as opportunities rise in the future. This week, I was uh, just did a, a quick Google search to try, it wasn't quick, it took me a long time and I couldn't find anything, but I was trying to find what the most popular tweets of all time were, and I found that the number one most popular tweet in the history of Twitter was this year at the Oscar Awards when Ellen DeGeneres took her star-studded selfie with all of these famous people, and she tweeted it, and it became instant, within 40 minutes, became the most retweeted tweet in the history of Twitter. The second, the one that it passed, was the picture of President Obama hugging his wife after he won the re-election and said four more years. Their top two tweets of all time. Uh, before Twitter became, uh, you know, I, I couldn't... I couldn't find uh, much more than that. What I was looking for were, were, were quotes that had been tweeted, but I couldn't find what the most popular ones were. I think that's the beauty of Twitter. Now with uh, you know, sending pictures and videos and all that stuff on, on Twitter can do that. But the beauty of Twitter used to be, and it still remains, that you could send messages and receive messages that were limited to 140 characters. Brevity and shortness is the essence and is the appeal of Twitter. And you could send messages, you could put up pithy statements, you could put up quotes that will wow people all within 140 characters and it could be circulated around the world. Did you know that many people say that the book of Proverbs is the Old Testament version of Twitter? Powerful wisdom packed into a short one or two sentence, one or two lines in the Bible. Proverbs is the Twitter of the Old Testament. Again, brevity and uh, the ability to memorize these things is the essence and the heartbeat of the Proverbs, which is why Proverbs has been throughout the history of the world one of the most famous and most beloved books of the Bible. Last year, after our R&R weekend, a lot of us went through the book of Proverbs, one proverb a day, because there's 31 of them. Uh, the great Billy Graham, one of the probably the greatest preacher, easily the greatest preacher of our generation, for many decades of his life, read through the book of Proverbs, one proverb every day for countless years. And it's a great habit for people who are longing to acquire wisdom and are wanting consistency in their devotional life with God. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about Proverbs. In fact, today's the only day we're going to talk about it as we move through the rest of the Old Testament. My aim is to get through the rest of the Old Testament by Christmas so that we can see that it is all about Jesus to get to the birth of Christ come Christmas. We're going to fly through the prophets 
um, the po- books of poetry in order to get to that place together. So today's the only day we're going to hang out in Proverbs. If you want to learn more, we did about an nine, eight, nine-week series about five years ago on the wisdom of Proverbs. Um, you can find that on our website. I think you can find that in our podcast. But today we're just going to ask some very simple questions. We're going to step back and from a macro level, look at the book of Proverbs and see what does it tell us, uh, first of all, about wisdom, and then second of all, how does Proverbs... How is that all about Jesus? We're going to look at the prologue to Proverbs, and then we're going to look at another chapter a little bit later on. But Proverbs chapter 1, this is where we're going to start. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Many of these were written by Solomon. Many of them written by, uh, most of them written by Solomon, some by others. Um, We're going to read the prologue where he talks about the reason why he's writing this. This is going to be um, the first seven verses. This is God's word. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is God's word. When you think of proverbs, typically the first word that comes to mind is wisdom. When you think of wisdom, one of the first words you think of is proverbs, especially if you've grown up in church or if you're talking about the context of the Bible. So what is wisdom? There was a time when I was in fourth grade, I think, somewhere in third or fourth grade in elementary school, I started taking taekwondo against my wishes. My parents says, oh, you know, our kids need discipline and they need self-confidence. They need to learn to stand up for themselves when they get into fights and stuff. And so we started taking taekwondo. Our taekwondo school, it was called the dojang. Is that they call it here today too, right? This is called the dojang. They gave out calendars that had the address and the phone number of the uh, Taekwondo Academy, and, and it had every month, there was a black and white picture of someone doing a Taekwondo motion, either kicking or punching or breaking a board. And there was this one month I remember, at the, actually, underneath every one of these pictures, there was a quote. So I remember one month, there was a guy flying through the air with his belt on, and he was breaking a board, and underneath it, it says, patience is not a virtue, it is a necessity. So I looked at that. I didn't know what it meant, but I said, oh, that's very interesting. And I remembered it. I memorized it. A little while later, I was hanging out with a bunch of guys. They were older than me, and uh, someone was doing something that was a little bit annoying, or they were getting a little bit perturbed, annoyed at something. And one of the older guys looked at him and said, be patient. Patience is a virtue. And I looked up at him, my little bowl haircut, fourth grade, And I said, patience is not a virtue. Patience is a necessity. And they're like, whoa, (laughs) you're right. They're like, this guy is wise beyond his years. And I thought to myself, no, I'm not. I just remembered something I read on the calendar. Wisdom is not just being able to say the right thing. A lot of times that's what we think wisdom is, right? It's to be able to say the right thing in the right situation, and then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, you are like the guru of, of wise. It's not, that's not, so what is wisdom? 
What is wisdom all about? So we see in the book of Proverbs several things that we're going to learn and we're going to discover, we're going to see about the nature of wisdom. And the first thing is this, anyone can become wise. Okay, that should give hope to all of us. One of the great lies that we grow up hearing, especially in this great country of America, is that, hey, you, sixth grader, can be anything that you want to be. Did you know that that's a lie? Sorry to burst your bubble. I'll tell you a little bit about the tooth fairy and about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny also. Did you know that that's to be able to, to say, you know what, you can be anything that you want to be? Can, can you honestly tell a 95-year-old, 25-year-old person, hey, you know what, if you really try hard, you can make it into the NFL. You can be a lineman in the NFL. Like, that's a lie. You can be anything you want to be. You can't. If you're five feet nothing, you're not going to make it to the NBA. Okay, you're not. If you weren't born in the United States of America, then there's no chance that you're going to become the president of the United States. No matter how hard you try to do these things, there are certain things that you cannot do. And they'll tell you, hey, you can do whatever you want to do. But let me bring reality into the situation. There are certain things that are just not possible. And there's certain things that you can't be. Hey, not everyone is going to be tall. Not everyone is going to be huge like Biggie. One of my, when I was in college, I went into college weighing about 130 pounds. And one of my friends said to me, I, I, I gained about 20 pounds my, after my first year of college. My roommate, my second year, uh, my first year in the summertime, he said to me, you know what? Uh, your body is the kind that even if you did steroids, you're never going to be able to be muscular like me. And that's what he said. I said, okay, cool. Well, thanks for enlightening me. I'm not going to try. So not all of us are going to be all of these things. Okay, but the reality is that every single one of us can be wise. Look at what it says in verse 4. Who is he talking to? For giving prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the young. Verse 5, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Verse 5, and let the discerning get guidance. Right, who is it that can become wise through the Proverbs? It's the simple. You know what a simpleton is? It's someone who's naive, who's innocent, who's gullible, who doesn't know anything. There's a difference between a simple person and a fool. A fool is someone who could learn but they choose not to. A simple person, if they continue on a path of simpletonism, will become a fool. But he's saying, if you walk on the path of the Proverbs, then a simple person can become wise. Not only that, it's saying a young person, a sixth grader, a seventh grader, an eighth grader, a three-year-old can become wise if they heed the instruction. Not only that, but the wise, just because you're wise doesn't mean that you can't get any wiser. And just because you're discerning doesn't mean you can't be more discerning than you are now. We can all benefit from wisdom and we can all become wise. There is a crisis in our culture. Did you know that we are filled with information? Do you know that people say there's more information now in the 21st century than there was in all 20 centuries before combined because of the explosion of the Internet? There's a ton of information out there, information that will tell you things like this. Did you know that one in four Americans have been on or will be on TV at some point in their life? Did you know that? 
Mm-hmm. One in eight Americans have worked at McDonald's. Okay, maybe not in here, but one in eight Americans have worked at McDonald's. Do you know that there's four Disney movies, cartoon movies, only four of them in which both parents are alive and they don't die throughout the movie? Did you know that? The Lady and the Tramp, 101 Dalmatians, Mulan, and Peter Pan. Did you know? You didn't know that. All of this information. Huh? Tangled, I don't know. Maybe that was before. That was later. Another piece of information that Greg brings out, Tangled is the fifth. Some website is going gonna, is gonna to update that. There's just a ton... For all of you cat lovers or cat haters out there, I'm going to tell you a little something that's very important. If you drop a cat from the seventh floor, there's a 30% chance of that cat dying than if you dropped it from the 20th floor. You know why? Because it takes a cat about eight floors to realize what's going on, to get their grips on themselves, and then they say a cat always lands on its feet, right? It takes them eight floors. If you throw them down seven floors, they're like, what's going on here? They die. But from the 20th floor, by the time they get to the 12th floor, they're like, hold up. I'm going to die if I don't do something. So for 12 floors, they put up their parachute, and then they land on their feet. 30% greater chance. I could go on and on with useless information. Because I Googled useless information, I found all of these websites. But for all the information out there, we lack wisdom. We do some pretty stupid things, don't we? I could think of a lot of stupid things that I do, but I don't want to sound stupid. So I'll tell you about a guy in Athens, Georgia, that I read about. This cat was dumb, okay? He went in to rob a store, right? He went in to rob a store, but he saw that there's three people working there. And so he decided, wow, I got to wait until two of them leave. So I'm here just alone with the weakest one. And so he's sitting there, he's like, what? Can, but I, I got to make this look natural. And so what he did was he asked for a job application. Can I have a job application? He sat there, he started filling it out. As he's filling it out, the guy left, another guy left. It was just him and the lady. He said, I can take her. Turned in the application, and then he robbed her, and then he left. The problem is, <laughs> he wrote his real name and put his uncle's home phone number on there. The police arrested him. He didn't get the job, obviously. <laughs> hey, we do some pretty stupid things, don't we? We lack wisdom for all of the information that we have in this world. We can do some pretty foolish things. What is wisdom? One uh, preacher, Tim Keller, he is often quoted. He says, wisdom is the ability to do the right thing in every situation of life. Wouldn't you like to do the right thing in every situation. He says 80% of wisdom is this. It's not just doing what you know, just following the Bible, right? 20% of situations, it's simple. Hey, uh, my friends are going to go to a rated R movie. I'm only 15 years old. Should I go? Wisdom is simple in that case. What does the Bible say? It says not to, right? So don't go. Duh, that's simple. Or I'm 25 years old. But the movie glorifies uh, sex and violence and profanity and things like that. The better part of wisdom says you probably shouldn't go. That's not good for your soul. It's toxic for your heart. You shouldn't go. That's, that's what wisdom is. 20% of wisdom is very simple. But 80% of wisdom, this is what he says. I don't know where he got that figure, but it makes sense. 80% of wisdom is what do I do when morally there are many morally correct options out there? Right? That's where we need wisdom. Should I go here? Should I go there? That's where we need wisdom. Someone, there is um, 
uh, an NFL football player named Richard Sherman. He's very outspoken. He went to um, Stanford University, very bright. And he was proclaimed himself to be the greatest defensive back, the greatest cornerback in the National Football League. And he went on these shows defending himself. And there's this one talk show he went on, and there's this guy he was arguing, debating with, a guy named Skip Bayless. And basically, Skip was saying, you know, Richard, you're not the best. And Richard's saying, no, I am the best. And then it got a little bit personal. Richard Sherman goes to Skip Bayless. He says, the reality is I am better at life than you are. (laughs) He says, you have done nothing good in life. I'm excellent at life. You stink at life. That's what he's saying. Wouldn't you want to be awesome at life? In this 80% of the times where you don't know which, well, I, I could go either way. There's two guys, that, and, and they're both asking me to marry them, and both of them are great. Both of them are Christians. What do I do in this situation? You know, we're, so, we're like two peas in a pod. We finish each other's sandwiches. We're, well, so what do I do? With both of them, it's like this is mental synchronization can have but one explanation that you and I were just meant to be. But what if there's two of them? What do I do? Is he the one or is he the one? Which one do we go for? My friend, right? This is hypothetical. My friend wants to go to law school. He took the LSATs eight times and he couldn't get the score that he wanted. He feels deeply that this is what God wants him to do. He's asking me, am I mistaken? Should I keep on trying? He's asking you, what do you say to him? Do you tell him to give up your law school dreams or do you say keep on going? What do you do? This requires wisdom. I've got these two great job opportunities. Which one do I take? Both of them, there's great opportunities for kingdom service. They're exact same pay. I've got family members in both. What do I do? What do you do in a situation like that? What do you do? Don't you wish that you could be excellent at life so that in every given situation that you can make the right decision? Because haven't we looked back on our lives and said, you know what, I've made some stupid decisions and it's hurt me and it's hurt other people and it hasn't gotten me where I needed to go. What do you do? You want to be excellent at life, but you're simple, you're young. You've made wrong choices. The blessing and the gift of the book of Proverbs, he's saying, listen, if you get this in you, you, even though you're simple, can become wise. And you, even though you're young, can be wise and avoid the mistakes that other people have made. What do you do? First Kings chapter 3, God comes to King Solomon and says, I'll give you anything you want in this life. Anything that you want. What do you want in life? Solomon says, I want wisdom. And God poured wisdom into his life like no one beyond comparison. Well, that's just Solomon. But in James chapter 1, it says, listen, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives freely and generously without finding fault. Anyone, anyone All of us can become wise if we seek it. So where do we start? Second thing that we see here, we're going to see this in verse 7. Second thing that we see here, that wisdom is a journey. Wisdom is a journey that starts with God. Wisdom is a journey that starts with God. 
I was riding a Southwest uh, Airlines flight some time ago, flying from Orlando up to Baltimore in the middle of the winter time. It was cold, it was wet, it was snowy in Baltimore when we landed. We hit the ground and the flight attendant said, I would like to be the first one to welcome you to sunny tropical Hawaii. And everyone for a second looked around and said, huh? And then she said, but since I can't, I welcome you to wet, snowy Baltimore. Why couldn't she welcome us to Hawaii? Tell you why, because the plane wasn't taking us to Hawaii. If we wanted to go to Hawaii, we'd got on a different plane. Because where you go, it all depends on where you start. Where do you start in the journey to trying to become wise? A lot of people start reading all of these books, try to become this Machiavellian person, try and become this Renaissance. Where do you start when it comes to growing in your wisdom? Well, it tells us here in verse 7, the fear of the Lord, the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The starting point, the starting point of becoming a person of wisdom is, is God. At the end of Proverbs 31, which is the last book of Proverbs, it says once again, the fear of the Lord. This is where wisdom begins. Chapter 1 begins, Proverbs begins with the fear of the Lord. It ends, 31, with the fear of the Lord. And everything in between, this is the Hebrew expression called an inclusio, which says this, the beginning and the end, tells us what everything in between is all about. The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. Wisdom is all about the fear of the Lord. Wisdom ultimately is not just simply telling us to acquire and accumulate a bunch of facts and pithy statements and wise sayings. Wisdom is, first of all, an invitation into a relationship with God. You can do everything that you want to try to become wise, but if you don't have God in the center and at the starting point, then you can call it whatever you want, but it's not wisdom, and you're not going to become excellent at life the way that it was intended to be lived. The starting point of wisdom is God, and specifically, it is the fear of the Lord. The fear of God. It's to know that there is a God in this world, and it's not me. And if we think we're God, then we're not going to let anyone correct us. We're going to think we know everything. You know people like that? That you tell them something? They're like, no, no, no. Well, thanks for your advice, but I'm going to do it my way. They listen one ear, goes out the other ear. This is what you call a fool. Someone who hears, but they think, no, 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 no. I know everything. I'm not going to listen to other people. Not going to listen to other people. You've heard this before. A, why, a fool is someone that doesn't learn from anyone else, doesn't learn from their mistakes, doesn't learn from their experiences. A smart person is someone who learns from their own experiences, their own mistakes. But a wise person is someone who learns from the mistakes and the experiences of others. They don't need to live through them in order to know that these things are true. Right? A foolish person doesn't listen to the experiences and the wisdom of others. Who? Who are you? Are you wise? Are you smart? Are you foolish? Because the better part of wisdom, I I asked some people this week, um, what is being wise to you? And somebody said the beginning, wisdom begins when we realize that we don't know it all. We realize that we don't know it all. And if you understand that you don't know it all, then you will hear 
from the wisdom and the thoughts and the advice and the opinion of other people. But you think you know it all, you're not going to be able to hear what other people have to say. So there's a story about this village and these six blind people that lived in this village. And these people had never been able to see for their entire lives, so they didn't know much about what was out there. And one day the villagers came running around and they're like, oh my gosh, an elephant is in our village. So these blind people had no idea what an elephant was. They said, well, well, I don't know what all the commotion is, but let's go, let's go to where the elephant is. We can't see the elephant, but maybe we can touch it. And so these six blind men were led to the elephant, and one guy started touching the elephant's trunk. He said, ah, I understand. An elephant is like a tree branch. And another blind person said, no, 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 you're so stupid. He started feeling the body of the elephant. He's like, an elephant is a rough wall. That's what an elephant is. Another guy said, no, you guys are both, you guys are both wrong. He was grabbing the tusk of the elephant. He said, an elephant is a lead pipe. And the fourth guy said, no, 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 you guys are all wrong. He was grabbing the elephant's tail. He said, an elephant does nothing more than a rope. And a wise person looked at them and said, you guys are all wrong. The problem is you don't see the whole picture. And none of us on this life, in this life, on this earth, see the whole picture. We have so many blind spots. We're only grabbing at a few things. We need other people to show us what they see, but ultimately we need someone who sees the whole thing. And God alone, God alone sees the whole thing. The beginning point of being wise is acknowledging, God, I need your help. I don't know anything. Well, I know something, but that which I know is not really anything compared to what you know. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord to say, God, I need your help. But wisdom is a journey that is not a destination. We don't ever get to this place where we say, you know what, I am now wise. Now that I've got grandchildren, I'm wise. Now that I've hit 70 years old, now I'm wise. Wisdom is not a destination. Now that I've reached the top of the mountain and I've saw, I've met with this guru in Nepal, now as I come down from the mountain, I'm all of a sudden wise. Like, no, wisdom is a journey. That's why he says, let the wise person listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. We never get to the end. We never arrive at the place of wisdom. It's a journey that begins with God. But where, how do we progress in wisdom? Well, Proverbs 1 says we read the Proverbs. We understand the Proverbs. We begin living it out. Forrest Gump says, stupid is as stupid does in the same vein. Wisdom is as wisdom does. Wisdom is seen in our actions. Olive used to always say, she says, you know what? If you know it, then you better show it. That's wisdom. It's living out what you say you know. Wisdom is not in what we say. It's in the way that we live life and the way we grow in wisdom. So there's a there's a danger. Proverbs, I think Proverbs 26, 7 says, like a proverb in the mouth of a fool is a lame man's leg. A lame man's leg, what is that to you? It's worthless. Not only that, it slows a person down. It can be dangerous. He's saying that's what a proverb is in the mouth of a fool. Even though you know all of these things, if you don't live it, then all these proverbs are, it's useless, 
It's slowing you down. It's hurting other people. It's not just about knowing these things. Proverbs 16.3, I think this is one of, is a proverb that you could commit to memory. It says, commit whatever you do to the Lord and your plans will succeed. And this is what a lot of us think. We think it's the other way. We think commit your plans to the Lord and then whatever I do is going to succeed. So we say, God, here's what I want to do. I want to go to medical school. I want to go here. I want to become this kind of a doctor. I want to be, God, this is the person I want to marry. This is what it looks like. We think we say commit our plans to the Lord and then whatever we do, it's going to succeed. God says, no, it's the other way around. Commit everything that you do to the Lord and then your plans are going to succeed. What is he saying? As you commit every moment of your life, everything that you do to doing it for God, then you're going to become the kind of person who is wise, who makes plans that will ultimately succeed. In obeying, our hearts and our minds are being transformed to become people of wisdom. That's what wisdom is. We grow in wisdom as we live out the teaching of Scripture as God has placed it before us. That's how we grow in wisdom. So when our kids are young, we have to tell them, okay, Manny, Elijah, now you need to take your vitamins. You got to brush your teeth. You got to floss. You got to wash your face. You got to put on your pajamas. You got to pray. And then you got to go to bed. We have to tell them exactly what they need to do. And as one by one, they begin to do these things. As they get older, we just say, okay, now Manny, get ready for bed. She knows exactly what needs to be done. Isn't that what we want from our kids? that they would grow to the point where we don't have to tell them everything all the time, but they grow in their understanding and their wisdom so that they can make the kind of decisions that would honor their parents. That's what God desires in us. That in obedience, in living it out, we become the kind of people who are wise in order that we can live out what God has intended for us to live. And we grow in our wisdom step by step moment by moment in the journey as we walk in obedience to the revealed wisdom of God. And so anyone can become wise. It's a journey that begins with God. The last thing, embracing wisdom is embracing life. Ignoring wisdom is embracing death. I'm going to read from Proverbs 8, uh, starting in in verse 22. And I I want to show us how wisdom is personified in Proverbs chapter 8. It's personified wisdom is seen as a person who is there with God at the very beginning, even at creation. The Lord brought wisdom me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity from the beginning before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, and he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, there then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, Delighting in mankind. Verse 32. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life, receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. 
all who hate me love death. This is, this is awesome. <laughs> He's saying before God even began the work of creation, wisdom was born. And then from that place, wisdom was the tool by which God created the world. Saying in wisdom, everything was made. Most creation myths in the ancient Near East, when you read about the Mesopotamia and the Babylonian, all these myths, it says the world was created as some kind of a fight between uh, gods in the pantheon, and out of that struggle came human beings, or it came out of the midst of chaos. The Bible is saying when God created the world, he did so in wisdom, that there was order and there was structure to everything that he created. In other words, there is an order to the way in which the world was created. And God says, if you live in the order that was created, then you will find life. But if you push against this order, then you will find death. In the same way that God created the world with natural physical laws, laws of gravity. You fight against the laws of gravity and say, you know what? I jump off this roof. I can fight against the laws of gravity. You embrace the laws of gravity. You'll live. You ignore them. You'll die. In the same way God is saying the way in which this world is created, there's wisdom embedded into its spiritual principles that will preserve your life if you embrace them and that will take your life if you fight against them. Wisdom is embedded into the very fiber of the world that we live in and God is saying this is where you find that wisdom. It starts with me and then it continues as you hear and as you obey and as you live out the word of God. There are consequences to the choices and the actions that we make. This is the better part of wisdom, isn't it? Knowing that everything that you do carries consequences. If you ignore consequences, then you will constantly be making foolish choices. This guy who filled out this work application before he committed his crime, two consequences that he didn't realize. One, that I'm going to get caught, and two, oh my gosh, my name is on the, li- on the paper. Last week, we were, uh, we were eating dinner one night. We were, um, we're very Americanized at the same time. We're very Korean. And so we're eating this soup called tteokguk, which is like rice cake soup. So we're eating this rice cake soup, and uh, Elijah's eating, and he's having fun, and he's like this little joker. And so at one point in his meal, he decided that it would be really funny if he took one of these pieces, these oval discs of rice cake, take it out with his hand, and throw it at my head. So he threw it at my head, and I looked at him, I said, Elijah, I wasn't smiling. I said, Elijah, that's not good. We're going to go to timeout. And so I'm picking him up and he's like kicking his legs. And I sit him down in timeout. I said, Elijah, think about what you did. He's thinking about, I don't know if he's thinking. He's probably thinking, that was really cool. So I come back to him after uh, three minutes. And love always, grace always precedes repentance, right? Kindness leads to repentance. So I say, Elijah, I love you. And I hug him. He said, I love you, Daddy. I say, what do you have to say? He says, I'm sorry, Daddy. I'm so-, and I say, I'm sorry for, because I don't want a blanket apology, right? Specific sins need to be specifically confessed. I said, what are you sorry for? He couldn't tell me. He just, maybe he could, but he didn't know how to say it. So I said, Elijah, say this after Appa. I'm sorry for throwing duck at your head. <laughs> he said, I'm sorry for throwing duck at your head. So I said, Elijah. So I'm trying to teach him why this is bad. I said, Elijah. Would you be happy? Would you like it if Appa, Daddy, threw duck at your head? And he said, no. I said, did you do a good thing? He said, no. This is what he said. He said, no, but it is fun. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> it wasn't right, but it was fun. 
I think he's beginning to understand wisdom means that not everything that's fun is right. There are consequences to the things that we do. Right? That's wisdom. He's learning that. Would you like that? No. But it's fun. It's fun, but it's wrong. God is saying, listen, there's a way in which this world has been ordered, been structured in such a way that if you follow the path of God, it's like a train, right? It's like a train running on tracks. If the train embraces the tracks, it's going to find life. But if the train says, you know what? These tracks stink, and it goes off the tracks, it's going to find death. This is the exact thing that the book of Proverbs and the book the Bible is telling us. In this world that we have been able to live in, God has created structure, created order, created wisdom in it, so if we live it, there's life. If we don't, there's death. We could end right now and say, okay, go do it. Embrace wisdom. But we know that that would not be necessarily true to reality. Here's why. Chapters 10 through 15 talk about these principles, but chapters 16 to 31 talk about the exceptions. Don't you know that there are people who have embraced the way of God and have tasted death? And there are people that have pushed against the way of God and have gotten the reward of the blessed? Doesn't that bother you? It certainly bothers me. People like Job, people like those whom Asaph saw in Psalm 73. What do we do with this? What do we do with this tension? Wisdom is personified in Proverbs 8. We go to the New Testament in the Gospels and in 1 Corinthians. It says that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. You can't take that parallel too far because here in Proverbs 8, wisdom was created. Jesus was not created. But he's saying Jesus Christ is the incarnation of wisdom, is the personification. If you want to see a wise life, then you look at the life of Jesus. Why? Because he was the one. He was the great teacher. Pearls of wisdom. But not only did he speak wisdom, but always practicing what he preached. He gave to the poor. He took care of the needy. He avoided the dangers of life. He didn't mess around with sin. He was tempted, though he did not give in. And what was the reward for Jesus? It was the reward of the fool. He was the one who didn't see a long life on earth. He was unjustly and cruelly murdered. He had no home. He had no place to lay his head. He was not rich. He didn't have everything that the Proverbs seem to say you will have if you follow me. So where is wisdom in all of that? Well, you see, you wait just a little bit longer. Patience isn't a virtue. It is a necessity. You patiently wait the third day, and you see God's vindication of Jesus. That though he was unjustly murdered, he now reigns in eternal life. That even though he had no place to lay his head, now He has his home in heaven, and all of the earth is his footstool. He was rejected by men, rejected by God, but now he has the praise of angels, and all heaven adores him. 
You see, in the vindication of Jesus Christ, we not only see God vindicating him, we see him vindicating the book of Proverbs that says one day all that you think is wrong is going to be made right. All who have ever followed the path of wisdom, who wonder, is it worth it then? Is it worth it? If these things are happening to those who follow the way of wisdom, why should I follow it? If it's a crapshoot, is it really worth it to follow him? All who have ever wondered that, understand that wisdom begins with God. It begins with Jesus. It begins with a relationship with him. When we get into relationship with him, when we see him for who he is, we begin to realize therein all of this begins to make sense. That God will once and for all bless those who follow the path of wisdom. That God will once and for all bless those who've given up everything in order to follow him. Whether it be in this life, and most of the time it is in this life, as well as in the life to come. But even if it's not, even if it's not, he says it's always worth it to embrace him. Because in embracing wisdom, we're choosing life. Let's pray. The way that this world has been ordered, the way that this world has been structured is that the great majority of the time, as you follow the way of God, you will receive the blessing of heaven. Is that worth it? Then to choose wisdom, to choose love, to choose life, to choose purity, to choose honesty, to choose truthfulness, to choose to bless instead of curse. Is it worth it knowing that the majority of the time the way that this world has been wisely created, that it will lead to life for us and for others. And in those times where we don't see it in this life, we don't receive the blessing in this life, is it worth it to have endless years of eternity and blessing? Is that worth it compared to this momentary life on earth? pray and let's ask the Lord I want to be wise I want wisdom I want to be a woman of wisdom that my words would be life giving words I want to be a man of wisdom that my counsel would lead people to life and not to death that my life, my words and all that I am would not only be wisdom for others but it would be wisdom for me to live, to embrace as well Lord, make me wise. It begins with realizing that you're God, not me. Let's uh, pray. Let's just respond to the word of God, to the voice of God. Say, Lord God, make me wise. Make me wise so that I might live to love you, I might live to honor you, that I might live life as it was meant to be lived. Let's pray for just a minute. I'll pray for us, and then we'll continue to respond.
Father in heaven, your word tells us that if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously without finding fault. Lord, we confess that we're a people who need wisdom. We're asking for wisdom. We're asking that you would make us wise for you in order that we might be more effective, that we might live excellent lives and that we might lead others to live excellent lives as well. Lord, make us wise in order that we might bless your name, embracing life and showing others the beauty of a life surrendered to you. Thank you, Lord. May it begin with us and may we begin opening ourselves up to you, growing in you, in order that we might, on this journey, become more and more wise. Thank you, Lord. We love you because you've loved us first. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.